0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And the Mets
1: didn't pitch. You know, a lot of the attention's been on the offense, and I understand why. They got shut out two games in a row and didn't score for 20 innings. But the pitching in this series, Pete, between Max Scherzer and Carlos Carrasco to David Peterson, their starting pitching was awful over these three games.
2: Now, And I got to be honest, I didn't realize that Peterson actually had started that that fifth inning right away Mm -hmm. because I looked up and I'm like, why are they focusing on Peterson uh, when when Smith is up? And I'm like, they walked Yelich already. This is ridiculous. And I totally missed that. And I look back, I'm like, why, why did they keep Peterson? And that was so frustrating. He's been off all game long.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the answer doesn't mean I like the answer, but the answer is the lefty-lefty. The answer is, hey, I can get Peterson-Yelich as a matchup. The Mets only have one lefty in their bullpen and Brooks Raleigh, who I don't think was available in this game after yesterday. And the Brewers are a heavy platoon team. So I, I think it was matchup. I don't agree with it because – I think sometimes managers get too obsessed with lefty lefty and righty righty. Sometimes you just have to have a feel for the game. The guy wasn't pitching well. <laughs> it, it's as simple as that. Like he just didn't pitch a good baseball game. And you know, I know he handled Yelich, but remember earlier in this game, in that second inning, when the Brewers eventually took the lead, they had the four to one lead. One of the big hits in that inning was a double by Jesse Winker which is lefty-lefty. So it's not as if Peterson was annihilating every left-handed batter he saw. A couple other thoughts on this game. We'll move on to a lot of other things surrounding this team as they get set for the home opener now on Friday. David Peterson was called for a pitch clock violation, which made me laugh because David Peterson is one of the fastest workers on the Mets staff. Uh, During the offseason, when we were talking about the pitch clock and who is it going to affect, I remember saying to you, hey, David Peterson works faster than anybody. but his issue was the same issue that Garrett Cole had in the Yankee game. And if you missed what happened in the Yankee game, Garrett Cole was brilliant, Uh, not to knock him. But his last moment on the mound was a 3-2 pitch in which him and Jose Trevino could not agree on a call. No one called timeout, pitch clock violation, ball four. And that was it. And Boone took him out of the game. Not not because of that. He was pretty much done. That was his last batter. I think the Peterson pitch clock thing with Contreras was very similar, where – It was simply the catcher and the pitcher not getting together on signs. And one adjustment that needs to be made is you're allowed two disengagements. Disengagement is not just picking a guy off at first base. A disengagement, which we saw today, by the way, Peterson picked off Adamus, which was very cool. But you could just step off. Like you have that ability to do it. Um, So I think what pitchers and catchers are going to need to do is remember that they have that in their back pocket. Obviously, if you've already used the disengagements, that's the problem that you have. But I don't think if you go through these uh, at-bats, pitchers are using their allotment of disengagements. So what the Yankees should have done, and Boone said it after the game, and what the Mets should have done, and this guys got to learn and they got to remember, is step off, call timeout. Like, you're allowed to do that. You just got to do it in the right amount of time. It turned out not to be a big play in this game. It turned out to just be a ball. He got Contreras out anyway. So it wasn't a big moment, but, you know, we've seen a handful of pitch clock violations, uh, not Tuesday, but we saw four of them on Monday. And then obviously we saw one in this game on Wednesday.
2: I'd uh, like to say, I told you so. About what? That still gonna. Be, it wasn't going to be this flawless
1: system that you're like, oh, everyone's going to figure it out by yeah. the time season starts. You know, <laughs> you're going to hate me for saying this, and maybe I'm just so in love with the pitch clock. I still think for the most part, it's been flawless. Like we haven't seen anything catastrophic. I know Manny Machado got ejected arguing uh, his deal where they called a strikeout on him at the eight second mark. So I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but we haven't seen your fear of a game being decided on it. That hasn't happened. Well, it will happen. It hasn't happened yet. It it will. It will
2: happen. I'm telling you right now. The same way that Garrett Cole couldn't get together with Trevino, just imagine a no-hitter getting affected because – or perfect game getting affected because they couldn't figure out the, the final pitch on a 3-2 pitch, and he walks the guy up.
1: Before. I don't mind that. Then it's not a perfect game. Right, exactly. But it's <laughs> so stupid. Again, no, it's listen. not. You, you, you should have called should, a timeout. Should have, should have disengaged.
2: Should have disengaged. Should have disengaged. Again, listen, it's, it's, not a, it's not flawless yet, and it might not be forever. It just, but again, I just don't want a game to be ruined over it. And the games haven't been ruined over it.
1: It has not happened yet. We are seeing a violation of game, no doubt about it. But like the one in the Met game on Wednesday, it had no impact on the game. It, re- it just didn't. Like The one in the Yankee game, you could argue, could have. It led to a walk. And that guy ended up scoring, by the way. It was bases so, loaded. It was bases yeah. loaded. It was a bad spot for for everybody, yeah. Well, no, it led to the bases being loaded. It didn't happen with the bases loaded. It was the first guy that got on base. But, yes, it led to a, a Philadelphia-Philly rally. Absolutely. The other thing from this game that I got to bring up, I mean, we cannot ignore this, is we saw one of the worst umpired calls in the history of baseball. Omar Narvaez in the fourth inning with one out, hits a line drive over first. It looks like it's a base hit. Sean Barber, the first base umpire, calls a foul. Okay. I, I guess we were wrong. We see the replay. It's not close. It's not like it hit the chalk. It's a foot fair. So Buck's going to challenge it. Of course, the rule, by the way, is if it's past first base, you can challenge it. If it's before the base, you can't challenge it. Anyhow, Buck's going to challenge it. The umpires, because I think every other umpire saw that it was fair, meet up and rule it to be fair. Okay, great. They got the call right. The problem is it was a line drive over first that bounced off the stands that jettison out. We have no idea if Narvaez ends up on second or not. My guess, I, I want to be honest, my guess is no. My guess is no, because the right fielder, who at the time was Brian Anderson, made the play quick enough where I think Narvaez holds up at first. But the fact that Sean Barber had to F this up, the umpires had to like make a decision. Ah, oh, where should we send them? And of course they sent him to first base and nothing happens. <laughs> the Mets don't get them in, but I just needed to point that out because that was one of the worst calls ever.
0: eBay motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love,
2: where if a rule is egregious, like a play is egregious, they have the expedited replay. Yeah. Oh, by by the way, let's change that. MLB should institute that. You have plenty of time in between where you have limited amount of challenges. The Mets have gotten burnt so many times already this season. They do – if there's something so obvious, they shouldn't have to have like the umpires get together. They should be like, hey, by the way,
1: idiots – it's fair ball. Move yeah, on with play. They, they, they pretty much did that. I mean, that was they, basically they the other did. umpires correcting the mistake. The other umpires saw that. What are you, what are you doing, bro? It's not even close. Um, so they, in a way kind of did that. The problem is you're trying to make an assumption. You're trying to figure out where to stick the guy. Cause the question to me wasn't fair or foul. The question is where are you sticking the guy? Where does Narvaez go? and, I don't. I mean, I, again, I'm guessing that he would have been only on first base, but we don't know. Who knows? Maybe he would have tried to go to second. He would have been thrown out. I have no idea. The Brewer defense was so frustratingly awesome. And here's what made their defense awesome. You and I have watched a lot of Luke Voigt because Luke Voigt was on the New York Yankees. Luke Voigt was a freaking butcher at first base. And yet you watch him on Wednesday. And he's Rico Brogna. <laughs> I mean, he's making he's making every freaking play. And if that's not bad enough, Brian Anderson, who starts the game in right field, moves to third base after her Chapman's friend, Mike Brasseau, was pinch hit for in the sixth inning. So now Anderson goes to third base. And to start the eighth inning as the Mets are trying to start a rally, Pete Alonzo rips a base hit. Except Brian Anderson makes a great diving play. Throws to first, first, the throw to first is low, and Luke Voigt makes this incredible scoop. I was so sick on that play. Anderson shifts to third, looks like Brooks Robinson. Voigt, who's a stiff at first base, looks like Rico Brunia. And that just killed me because, of course, next batter is Vogelbach, who draws a walk. Lacastro pinch runs for him. He steals second base. So he does exactly what he needs to do. And then Jeff McNeil and Mark Hanna do nothing. I know you guys, and you're one of them, Pete, you all have this hard on for Daniel Vogelback. You all think he sucks. Daniel Vogelback. I know he hasn't hit a home run yet. I know he hasn't driven in a run yet. I get that. The guy got on base three times on Wednesday. He was 0 for one with three walks. I'm good with that. I got to tell you, as much as I'd love to see him hit bombs, if he's going to get on base three times a game, I'm, I'm good. <sighs> Alright, so
2: I don't disagree with the whole on base stuff, but here's the problem. Vogelback Vogelback is brought in here for a reason. It's to play that DH role, and we need power out of that. We need protection. If it's just an on base person, get somebody more like uh, you know, Nimmo, someone who could Add to like the speed to it or something like that. If there's someone available like that, don't bring in a big husky guy who tries to lay out a double gets thrown out. Like Vogelbach doesn't add enough power.
1: Well, or doesn't he, hit for enough power to to add
2: at the DH spot.
1: Nah, here's where you get. Here's where you're right. Daniel Vogelbach's got to hit home runs. I, I agree with you on that. I, I like the fact that he got on base three times on Wednesday. But yeah, I mean the Mets' offensive issues, and they're very similar to last year. That's why I don't panic necessarily that the offense is going to be the reason this team struggles, despite what happened over the first two games against Milwaukee. Their offense needs more pop. That was their biggest issue last year, and they scored the fifth most runs in all of Major League Baseball. They don't hit enough home runs. They don't get enough extra base hits. So whether it's Vogelbach supplying that, whether it's Alvarez or Beatty or Mauricio from the minors supplying that, it's tough to just rely on that coming from Pete Alonso and Francisco Lindor. Like, I love Jeff McNeil. Jeff McNeil is, I don't want to say he's Luis Arise, but he kind of is. Like, he's a single sitter. And I, there's nothing wrong with being a single sitter, especially if you're going to hit 330. But you need your lineup to have a mix of everything. And while the Mets put bat on ball, which is tremendous, I love that. I mean, think about this game they played on Wednesday against Milwaukee. They are facing one of the great strikeout pitchers in baseball. They're facing a bullpen that they couldn't hit. They only struck out five times. Now, what the hell does that mean if you don't score enough runs? It doesn't mean anything. It's like when the Yankees strike out 17 times, but they score seven runs. <laughs> okay, they scored seven runs. So, but, but I do like the fact that this is a lineup that puts the bat on the ball. They do need to add that pop. And that pop can come from within. And here's what's fascinating. The New York Mets have put Pete Hoffman in a very difficult situation. Omar Narvaez left this game in the eighth inning. He was replaced by Tomas Nito. And I wasn't really sure why. At that point, Craig and I were signing on the air, so I was trying to figure out what the hell happened to Omar Narvaez. Does he need a break? The guy's played half the games this season. What's going on here? It turned out he was feeling something in his calf. So took a precaution, got him out of the game. The Mets are going to check him out once they get back to New York and find out, Hey, is this serious or not? They have decided that the catcher they're going to call to New York, just in case Narvaez needs to go on the IL, which is absolutely on the table. The guy they're calling to New York is not who we thought it would be because there was an assumption, and I forget who said it. Maybe I said it. Maybe you said it. Maybe we both said it. <laughs> that, that if the Mets have any issues behind the plate, they're not going to call up Alvarez. They're going to call up, uh, what's his name? The guy who played with us last Michael year. Michael Perez. Uh, what was that? Michael Perez. Michael Perez. Thank you very much. For some reason, I wanted to call him Alex Perez. I don't know why. That they were going to call Michael Perez. Now, Perez is at Syracuse. He's not on the 40-man roster. So let's go through all these facts here. They could very easily add him because Jose Quintana can just be put on the 60-day DL. He's not on the 60-day IL. He's on the 10-day IL, 15-day IL. I'm so confused with ILs and DLs. Uh, so it would have been easy. But that's not what they're doing. Francisco Alvarez is going to New York. And so less than a week into this season, or basically a week into this season, after Buck Showalter said, if Alvarez comes to the majors, that's a bad thing. Well, the bad thing has happened. And here's Pete Hoffman, who has to root now for Omar Narvaez to be hurt. Omar Narvaez is off to a good start. But you have to hope he's hurt so you get to see your guy, Francisco Alvarez. Whoa, 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 whoa. I don't have to hope and root for Narvaez to get hurt. He is hurt. <laughs> it's,
2: he's already done. I have, there's nothing to root for. It's already, it's where whoever made this happen, it's happened already. And the results are not going to be changed because I'm praying or whatever rooting for anything. And when Alvarez gets the call, it it is what it is. I'm not going to be upset by Alvarez getting called up.
1: So if the news comes out that Narvaez is okay and Francisco's going back to Syracuse, what would your reaction be? Um, Okay. (laughs) It's it's
2: it sucks, and I expect it to happen because right now when it rains it pours, which is why there's no opening home opener tomorrow or Thursday.
0: Right, right, right.